Hello out there to everybody in listening range. Before we get into this episode, I just want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Using Audible, you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash channel 10. That's channel and the number 10. Um, by going to audibletrial.com dot com slash 10 you'll have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone your Android device your Kindle or your mp3 player in addition if you want to help support the podcast you can go to channel 10 podcast dot com and Whenever you order from Amazon, you can click on the Amazon link. There's a link at the top um, where you can click on an Amazon uh, portal. And by going to Amazon and clicking that link, whatever you buy through Amazon will get a little kickback at no cost to you. So uh, you can show us support that way by showing love to channel10podcast.com. And with that, let's get into the show. We used to be like, see you then, Channel 10. And we used to think the people would catch on. <laughs> no, but like, if you're not from Queens, <laughs> if you don't got Time Warner or whatever. <laughs> like, well, I didn't know that. Like I said, like Channel 50. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Well, what up? All good, baby. In every hood, Bridge. son. Well, what up? Yep. CNN, Network, Channel 10. It's on again. Network Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network, Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Call is now being recorded. Hey, yo. Yo. Uh matter of fact, we're just gonna record the uh the advertisements afterwards because right now it is going down on Twitter with your man Meek Mill. <laughs> mm. So okay. uh, I'll just read through this I'm going off for about the past hour. The first one says um one hour ago. So we were just talking about this. I didn't even read the whole thing. So here we go live right now. I'm not with all this fake happy shit. And keep my name out of it before I make a scene. LOL. It's going to be a little embarrassing. Then he says, this nigga SB, Scaff BZ for those of you who don't know, was twerking, man. I'm sorry. Let it bro do that shit with niggas while y'all were together. LOL. Then there's a video of some dude who may or may not like Safari uh, doing some dancing and twerking. Then he says, Every time you do make a piece of lie. Last time it was a crazy storm. It was 160 and they acted like I failed or something. LOL. I was supposed to do 200K first week last time. And when I did 165K, they was acting like I failed. LOL. And let's get it clear. Nikki or nobody not responsible for my success. That's a double negative right there. But <laughs> I've been had the culture with me. Don't ever get that confused. My chill button has been turned back on. Let me get back to me. Hello. Then he retweets Charlemagne the God saying Satan Satan ain't playing fair. He really trying to show us his levels to this evil shit. And he says, dweebs, lol, with some type of emoticon. 
And niggas so fake, you can blow they cover in days. 27 minutes ago. Stop comparing Drake to me too. He don't write his own raps. That's why he ain't tweet my album because I found out. The whole game know for real. They scared to tell the truth. I can't wait to these... I can't wait T.O.K. these guys and sit back and act like they don't know. Don't compare me to none of these cats that don't write their own raps either. Hello. Kendrick and J. Cole really know how to rap, even though they're in different lanes. Dude is way out of LOL. I'm dropping soon again, LOL. He ain't even write that verse on my album, and if I would've knew, I would've took it off my album. I don't trick my fans, LOL. Wow. I only know how to tell the truth. If Hove gave me a verse somebody wrote, I would do the same thing. No shade to Hove. I know a lot of talk going to be but there's nothing they can do. When I get mad, I just start sh saying what's bothering me. I can't not tell the truth. Shh. Well, me versus Drake about to go down. Mm. Um, well, what do you think about what he says about Drake's own rhymes? I mean, I think... And we've talked about this before. There's a there's different levels. You know, no pun intended. There's different levels to this shit. Like when you look at um, somebody being in the studio and maybe giving you a line or a hint or you know giving you some help with it. It's a difference between that and getting a whole verse just laid out for you, or whatever. And if Drake didn't write his own rhymes, I want to know who wrote it. Because Drake is known as a songwriter. You know, he wrote songs for other people. So, you know, I'm not trying to say that, uh, you know, Meek is wrong. But, you know, I and I have noticed, like, that, like, like that's a change in Drake's style. He's coming harder and he's coming, like, you know, saying different types of things than, you know, you would normally hear from him. So... You know, that I guess that does give credence to what Meek is saying, but I'm just curious to know who it is, because the only person I could think is if it's that dude P. Rain, because I know they were cool and they were beefing, I think they're cool again, but he's not that nice, and, you know, Drake, he be having some stuff sometimes, so. Not 40. It's <laughs> <laughs> 40, I don't know. Um... It's going to be interesting to see. Now, I did just see something on some website before we got on this. It says something about some text message that Nikki sent to Drake. I mean, Drake, Nikki. Something about, I'll wait for you or something like that. Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, that, oh, that was a joke. Yeah, the dude, uh, the dude, Nigel, from Real Smash. Oh, it's not Real Smash. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know about it, especially, you know, he is the... Um, you know, Drake is the man who who did comeback season, and you know who is beloved, you know, beloved by uh, many uh, uh, backpack rappers, so to speak, or, or or backpackers, I guess. And then even um, you know what's funny about this whole Drake thing is that I watch, um, I didn't watch, I listened to the first, well, some of it, first um, radio show or the, or the station, the, the first show from his radio station. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, this guy uploaded it on, uploaded it on SoundCloud. Um, yeah, and you're pretty much right. It's, it's pre-recorded pretty much, and it's like him and some other guy talking about what they were going to do. And it's just yeah. like a set for like one hour. Um, and I don't I don't really see why people would want to listen to that. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm curious to see just because you know Drake. Drake has a. Um, I will say that he has a like a like a diverse musical. Um, you know, um, taste or whatever, and sometimes you can find out about new music just by listening to what Drake raps on, like, um, I guess on, uh, what's it called, So Far Gone, when he rapped over that, um, Likely joint, uh-huh. I think it was Likely, or, like, like, it was a couple of joints that he did, and, you know, some of the people I heard of before and some of them I didn't, but, like, he puts people on with other people's music just by getting on it, you know? So, but I think with this situation, like, um, <laughs> Nigel just made a, uh, he just made a tweet. He said, go get, um, he just screenshotted Meek Mill saying, go get Drake album. I just grabbed it. He talking that talk on here. And, um, it's funny because if you remember... Meek Mill's beef with Wale was because Wale didn't tweet Meek's album. And now it seems like Meek is mad because Drake didn't tweet his album. Mm. Oh, man, I got two tweets. See what he's talking about. He says, shall I continue about the rest of these dweebs in the game, LOL. And you know we talk that stick talk. Whoa, pause. <laughs> <laughs> now, Drake is not trending in the United States. And Taylor Swift is number three. And it's funny because she's now beefing with Nicki. Because, I don't know if you saw this. Nicki um, was saying something about not being nominated for Video of the Year at uh, the MTV Awards. And basically, because she's black, she's uh, relegated to the urban categories. And Taylor Swift says something like, Taylor Swift said something to her, like, you know, we cool or whatever. Basically, I guess Taylor Swift looked at it as, you know, Nikki might have been kind of coming at her. And then Nikki came back at Taylor, like, why even think that? Did you even read what I said? I was real kind of aggressive with But, um, I don't know. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, it's, just, it's an interesting time in hip-hop. You know, it might be time for the beef DVDs to make a resurgence. <laughs> uh yeah man maybe but you you know I mean I I don't I don't know I don't think uh this whole the Drake thing will really I can't see it being that big of a deal because remember you know there were all there was all those allegations about Kanye West and I mean there always has been about you know him not really writing certain things especially when the uh the Yeezus album came out. And it seems like no but, one really uh, cared much. I mean, I think I, I, like, I think there's a couple of things going on. Like, I think that you have the old traditional hip hop of you know you write your own lyrics and everything. And Meek, even though he's you know seen as kind of a younger, newer artist, you know Meek has been around for a while. He's been freestyling and you know rapping in the streets and stuff, and his videos are out there for a long time. And so he comes from that. 
you know, hip-hop tradition of you write your own stuff, you don't use ghostwriters. So, um, I think from that aspect, people are going to be like, oh, man, Drake isn't what he's supposed to be or whatever. And the, I think the difference, too, is Kanye West is also a producer. So, when you look at something like Dr. Dre, everybody knows Dr. Dre doesn't write his own lyrics. Everybody knows Diddy doesn't write his own lyrics. So, you know, Drake being more than, you know, he's not, like, you know, when you think of Dr. Dre, you don't just think of a rapper. And I think when you think of Drake, you don't necessarily think of just a rapper. So, mm -hmm. maybe him getting a little bit of help with some verses might not be that big of a deal. And I think it's kind of crazy because I see myself defending Drake a lot these days when I'm not really a huge Drake fan. <laughs> but I feel myself defending him all the time. To people. Um, but, um, it depends on how, like, you know, if, if he's getting the whole verse written for him, of course, you know, that's unacceptable. But an idea here or there, a bar here or there, I mean, me personally, I've never had that. But I wouldn't knock it necessarily. Uh, I don't know, I'm always kind of uh, weird when it came when it comes to like the situation of if someone throws a line to, like a line um, at the studio, and you know, like, you know, usually you know, like the way we do it, or the way that has been done is that you're not sure about a bar or something like that, or like a or like a metaphor or something. You'll run by somebody they say it's back, then you'll either you know change it or just take it out all the way, or maybe say. Hey, you know, or say like instead of saying it like you know such and such and such, they just like rearrange the words around so it sounds better. Like something like that, I don't mind. But if you have someone like coming off and like giving you a whole entire verse, that's that's different. But then, you know, if you look at the culture and stuff, and you listen to like a lot of interviews with different rappers and how um the person interviewing, you know, when you're the broadcast or whatever like that, a lot of times, um. The interviewer will say, you know, man, so, how, you know, what's going on with the women? You know, I know you probably sit around and do all this stuff with women and party. And nine times out of ten, it's not really like that. You know, they're always in the studio. And with that being said, you know, they don't have a lot of time. Maybe Drake just really did it on the arm or something like that. And he just said, hey, give me a verse real quick because, you know, these other verses are for the six guy up or something like that. Yeah. And I think that's another thing, too, like, when you're dealing with, you know, the rap game versus the music industry. You know, if you want to be a commercial artist, you know, the rules of hip-hop don't apply to the rules of business. So, like, I guess the classic example is the T.I. song, Whatever You Like. Now, I don't remember where I heard this from, but I'm 99% sure that song, Whatever You Like, he didn't write. But he did it. And that was one of his biggest hits, and it propelled that album, which was a great album. And it's a business move, not a hip-hop move. You know, T.I. already proved himself on his first couple of albums that he can do what he does. So, being that he's in the lane of a commercial artist, can you be mad at him taking a, like a sing-song, like, like a type of song that somebody else wrote? for commercial success. Mm-hmm. 
because yeah, yeah. he's not proclaiming to be no gangstar, you know, DJ Premier beat rapping type of dude. Right. Like he's like like he's trying to make his money. Um, yeah. And you know, also, um, I think the best example of someone like a lyricist who happens to be in the music game, um, is Lil Wayne. And looking at uh looking at the Carter documentary and how his you know and Totally, when he got the he got the information that he went flat on the first part of three, he was just nothing. He was high shit in the studio on a bus, um, just working on songs. And they went into you know his his addiction his addiction to um to to purple drink, mm. and, and you know they said that you know he wants to be the best, and you know he has to be producing at all times. So this is how Wayne and a lot of people get caught up in that whole addiction thing. Um, the same thing with Eminem, and how he got on volume um, during during uh, during the filming of Eight Mile because they were doing like sixteen hours a day, or at least he was. And eventually that led to methadone and and whatever else. But if you have someone smart like a Drake, you know he knows that he can't he can't jump on a Skepta song. Here and then he has to fly to, to to South Africa to do a show, but then he has another verse due by you know for two chains or something like that. And I just and I don't really think he can reduce that many verses like that. There's no way. And then still finish work on your own album. Yeah, I mean, I guess it comes to um. It's funny because you know I've had conversations about this you know in a more corporate environment, but. It comes to the art of delegation of duties. And it's like, you know, I guess to be a leader, you have to know how to delegate duties and responsibilities. And you have to develop a team around you who you can trust to do these type of things. So it's like, you know, you look at a Drake or, you know, I guess anybody who seems like they can be at multiple places at one time, they know how to not do everything themselves and give that responsibility to other people that they can trust to do that type of stuff and you know maybe writing a verse here or there might be part of that because I'm not gonna lie um especially that verse on that game song um the 100 joint yeah like that verse just hit me like, that song was different. And now that Meek is making these allegations, I'm like, oh, did somebody else write that? Because, like, that's cr- Oh, man, Meek, hold on, hold on. Meek is going right now. He's, he's, he said, I don't care about the awards. He said, I don't really trip about the awards. I know they're going to give them to the white kids doing it. That's why we buy rollies and shit. I own trophies. I understand that. Then talking about, he said, hold up. Oh, he said, y'all like fake winning. I've been tweeting about it for weeks now, but I wanted to show somebody how much I don't care. When he said the dream girl shit on Rico, I thought he was coming at me. LOL. Then Young Bull played me. The verse in his voice before my album came out, I was mad as shit, LOL. I don't know what that means. Then Hot 97 said, about what time you think Meek Mill is going to announce he's hacked? And Meek Mill retreat, uh, retweeted it and said, y'all chill too. Y'all kind of on the list too. 
Mm. Um, he just, she just feeling weird right now. But I don't. Know. It's just, it's just an interesting thing when it comes to songwriting, and it comes like when you think about hip hop versus any other genre. You know, um, whenever I get in uh, discussions about music with other people who don't appreciate hip hop, like my mother, for instance, and you know, we may be playing something on 95.9 in Baltimore, which is the old folk station for those who aren't from the area. Um, like, you know, my number one thing is they didn't write that song. That's not them. That's not the artist. That's not the person. That's a songwriter, and it's put together for commercial consumption. And, you know, I guess when you're part of a culture that's not predicated on um, keeping it real, so to speak, that's cool. And I think that with hip-hop it gets blurred because there's a hip-hop culture and there's a music industry culture, but the hip-hop kind of bleeds into it and the line is thin sometimes. And it's like, you know, trying to decide what's acceptable and what's not sometimes gets difficult. Yeah, yeah, it does, and um, but you know this this most definitely isn't a new thing to hip hop. You know, you can even go down to the producers. You know, um, you know Danger Hands doing the beats for Timberland, but Timberland putting his name on it, which I mean, like stuff like that is really weird to me though. But at least when it comes to the production, I think that I I don't know if that's solidified, but you can go to Kanye West and and um D Dot. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Kanye West did a couple of them old bad boy joints that people don't know about. Yes, right. Um, he talked about that on um, Combat Jack, right? Um, I don't know, but I just know that it's known that he did some like 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 some of them joints that uh, um that uh, D Dot supposedly produced, and you know. In the producing world, that's part of paying, or at least it used to be part of paying your dues. So yeah, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, it's, it's that's just kind of weird to me. But see, hip hop is different because a producer in hip hop is a, has a whole different meaning to a producer in the rest of the music industry. Like we consider a producer to be a beat maker, but like. You know, I guess the rest of the music industry would consider the beat maker to be the instrumentalist and the producer to be the person who puts it all together. So it's mm. like, um, how Diddy is a wonderful producer, a great producer, but he doesn't make beats. But there's a reason why Biggie's album sounds the way it does and American Gangster sounds the way it does. You know, like, when you, like, when Diddy's involved, like, there's a reason why you can listen to a G. Depp or a Black Rob album and be like, oh, shit, that shit is hard. And it's, Diddy did some shit right there. And that's what makes him a great producer, you know? Yeah, but, you know, he, I guess like every producer, he has some duds, and I think his, 
worst creation yet was uh, Takao Zero. Oh, did he do that? He was there. He executive produced it. Oh, man. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, man. When I first got it, and I, I, I looked at the credits, I remember, yeah, I, uh, your mother got it for me as a graduation graduation present for middle school. She did? Yeah, yeah, remember? Um, uh, yeah, so we all went. I think we came back to the house and had a cookout. And then um, you, me, and her, um, she took me to my dorm. And um, I think I went to FYE or something like No, I think we went to Towson, maybe. I don't know where we went anyway. Uh, yeah, and she told me I could get, I could get two, two CDs, and so I got, um, 8-Ball MJG's, um, and, um, Takao, the Takao Zero joint, but then, remember, since I was, since, uh, my sister worked for that label at that time, we, you know, we ended up getting, like, five Takao Zeros anyway, <laughs> so to this day, I have, like, I think three Takao Zeros, and it's just a piece of shit, it is, <laughs> see, I, I really think, that's one of the, like, and you know, and because you know how it is, like, a lot of times when you say something sucks, you're really basing it on basing it, basing it on um, on that artist. Like, you know, you know that artist can do better because you need that work. Yeah. But you know, Method Man, I've never really had a good relationship with Method Man his music. Anyway, I'm not. I don't really think. See, and I think this is is one of the reasons why Method Man kind of became known as this lyricist because I don't really think he's all that lyrical. Ah oh, man, see, you gotta peep that 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 Breakfast Club interview with um the man because he actually talks about exactly what she's talking about. He basically said he was asleep for the first three albums or something like that. Um just because of everything that was going on. And honestly I haven't listened to the uh his second album like that, but the songs I heard from it I did like. And he said that he was in the studio with True Master and Fourth Disciple for all that. But um I listened to the I didn't like the cow. I know that's blasphemy among some people, but that was not a good album to me. And he even said, you know, that wasn't it wasn't what was lost in the flood and Riz's basement or whatever. The second album, I don't really know too much about. I've heard it was whack, but then the songs that I heard from it, I did like. So I need to go back and revisit that. Takao Zero was just awful, but that's that that single was hard with Busta Rhymes. I did like the video. I remember when it was in Park. Did you like the single? Um, yeah, I mean it was cool, but the only like only bright light on that album was um, I, yeah, track number seven, The Turn, that RZA produced. I think yeah yeah I, yeah I remember that being one good song on there, and um, that's probably it. Besides the single, and um, that 420 album was just dope to me. I haven't revisited in a long time, but I remember just playing that album a lot because that shit was was ill, and I thought I I thought it didn't get the props that it deserved. Mm -hmm. you know, well, you know, Method Man most certainly is. He's like one of those sour type of rappers. But um, I remember when he when he was um, promoting to Cal Zero, and he went to 106 and Park to premiere the video with him and Busta Rhymes. Right. And 
one of the main focal points, I guess one of the main things that, that he was pushing when it came to this album was the fact that it had real lyrics on it. And he, he's spitting. And I remember he was reciting certain lines off the album at, like, at 106 and Park. And it kind of looked kind of desperate in a way because, you, you know, because you're, you're sitting here, you're like a 30-year-old man and you're trying to, I guess he was doing it for TV, he was looking at the camera, but, you know, you're, you're amongst all these teens. So it was just kind of weird to me. But with the lines he was saying, they were terrible. I mean, you know, I was really excited for that album because, I don't know if you remember, damn, I don't even know where all them files are. At the time, there was this, there was some type of Wu-Tang fan website they used to have like all of these like tracks, like these. I don't know where they got the tracks from, but they would just oh, have hmm? WooWorld.com. I think that's what it was. WooWorld.com. Yeah. 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 Because oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because some of the tracks would be tagged WooWorld.com exclusive. Yeah, with the with the bomb hitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because um, I had um, you gave me. I think it was a good a cassette. Um, you gave. I think I had like one of your you gave me from a long time ago. I think you. I think, or it's either that. No, it wasn't. I think it was on. Um, uh, I think your very first gutter mix that you made. Oh yeah. And and it had um the the inspected deck exclusive. Um, when he came out with the movement. Uh, the that's that enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I so I remember that. And even when like rules first came out when it leaked. And whatever, however, whatever, WooWorld got, WooWorld.com got the exclusive for it. But yeah, like, they had a whole bunch of exclusive Method Man records that were just hard as shit. There was one of them, was it called The Shield? It was called The Something, like like The Shield or something like that. And that song was so ill. And then when the album came out, none of those songs were on the album, and I never heard any of them ever again. And the website went down, and I don't have them anymore. But I had like all these dope Method Man songs, and I and they're just gone now. You know, I, I may have them because um, I have. Uh, I think you sent me. The, I, I think you sent. You gave it to me. Um, you know, like, like the the Method Man B sides compilation that I think uh, the Lost Tapes put out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, because uh, the reason why Method Man's on my mind, because I was thinking about him, and oh, because I watched I watched like a Wu Tang performance, and I listened to Inspector that talk about Wu Tang recently on Vlad TV, and I went back and listened to to what uh, to Cal, and then I realized I'm like, what what the hell else do I of Method Man's do I have? And I found that, but I mean, they could be in there, possibly. Yeah. Um. But how do you feel about Method Man as an actor? <laughs> um, I've you know I've never really see, I've seen I think I've seen him randomly on CSI. Um, I still have yet to watch The Wire. Uh, I've tried to watch maybe what two episodes, and I know Method Man's like he's not he's on the third one right he he comes in on the third one. Yeah, one of the later seasons. Um, he's not on like the the like the first ones. But um the other day we um we watched the movie The Cobbler and um it was on Netflix and um I saw it on there and I was like, Oh yeah, I remember Method Man doing an interview on Hot Ninety Seven about this. Let's watch this. And it was actually really good. 
And um, I thought Method Man did a good job in there, and I'm kind of excited, you know, to see what he does in this new movie that he's in. Um, I forget the name right now, but um, it has, like, LeBron James first acting in it and some other people. But um, I remember during The Cobbler, Method Man said that, you know, he's trying to get, you know, really get into acting and establish himself there. So um, I think I think he might be... I mean, Method Man, I think he's a dope rapper, but I think he might be a better actor than rapper, actually. See, this is the thing. I mean, I, I guess if going to the WCMC, you know, he, he can move a crowd, and he has, he has that personality, which is probably why he's a good actor, too. But, um, yeah, I, he, like, he regularly goes to acting classes, or, I, or, I do, or at least I know that he did at one point. Mm. But, I don't I mean, like, if you look... You can look at Thirty Six Chambers and Takao and whoever else, and usually, like you know, on the first round of the solo albums that came out, a lot of times he's just doing um, the courses for for a lot of um, for a lot of songs. Like maybe other than the only one, and the only one that really jumps out to me is um, um, the joint with Jizza that he did on Liquid Swords and um in ODB. ODB's uh the raw the raw raw yeah 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 that wasn't on Liquid Swords that was on um uh ODB's album yeah yeah that one then the and then um and then he had a verse on on, on the Liquid Swords I think it was uh, Shadow Boxing yeah 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 but see he um he did the chorus on Cream. You see that's what I'm saying like I think it was it was more or less hype. And then in Diddy's involvement during Takao, yeah. that kind of made him who he be is. seen. Yeah, who he is, and then you know, and of course the you know the Mary J. Blige joint, as well as his image, you know, with the um with the eye and everything like that. Well, see, this is the thing, and they kind of talked about this in their Breakfast Club interview. Like he, like like. like Remember, the first version of the song didn't have Mary J. Blige on it. Like, yeah. that was all, like, like they did the Razor Sharp remix, and then, the, you know, Diddy did the remix. But, like, with Method Man, it was like, the question that I always had was, what made them give him his own song on 36 Chambers? It's a very good point. Cause did he answer that? <laughs> no, nah, I like I've never heard an answer to that. Like, like why did he have M E T H O D man on Thirty Six Chambers? Like, what made them pick him? Maybe because he was the youngest. Cause real talk, and you know I've always felt like Inspector Deck always stuck out to me on the Wu Tang track. Like he always killed it more than anybody else. Like whenever you have a cut with. At least three of them. Inspector Deck's verse pretty much always kills it. And yeah. he has one of the most famous Wu-Tang verses ever that, you know, abomatomically Socrates' philosophies and hypotheses can't define why we dropping these mockeries. Lyrically perform on robberies. Flee with the lottery. Possibly they started me. Like... I don't know, like, and, and then on 36, I mean, like, that was from Wu-Tang uh, Forever on Triumph, but then on uh, 36 Chambers, I'm the Messiah, I set the microphone on fire, 
rap styles vary, but Carrie like Mariah, like he just was always on a whole nother level to me than than a lot of people. And I don't understand why his shit didn't pop off. Um, I don't know, you know, and even in the Vlad T V interview uh that they had with him um, he was he was admitting to the fact that you know unlike um some other people in the clan you know he he doesn't have you know like a a really good solo career so he really depends on Wu Tang you know uh, Wu Tang to make his money. Man, but he's been killing it with the Zara face though. Like real talk, I listened to like I skimmed through the Zara face albums. I think they're on the third one now, and I really like him. Like I mean, he doesn't the first one didn't like. I mean, you know, it's funny, the first one, he sounds real old, but the newer ones, he sounds like he's getting younger. <laughs> and see, and, and see, and that's the thing about Inspector Deck is that as of late, he's been sounding pretty old. And, you know, and re remember, you know, the the behind the scenes of the music video for the champion during the Alchemist made. Yeah. <laughs> and how it just looked old for no reason. You know what? We need to send him a um a request for an interview because, like, Inspector Deck, he's 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 always been one of my most underrated rappers of all time ever, and I feel like it's grimy the way he gets done. And even on that Method Man interview, I keep referencing from the Breakfast Club, they were talking about that Tupac song. Um, you you remember the Tupac song with um? He has ad lib on it. Yeah, 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 and how he got taken off, and, you know, there's always been this whole mystery behind it, and Method Man was like, I don't know what happened to that, you got asked Daz about it, so I'm just waiting for somebody to ask Daz about what happened to that Inspector Deck verse. <laughs> but that, I was going to say, that's kind of random, you got to ask Daz, but uh, Daz made the beat, right? Probably, yeah, because Daz, you know, he produced, um, that song was originally a, 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 a dog pound joint, but... When Tupac got out of jail, people gave songs for their albums to Tupac for his album. So, like, California Love was for a Dr. Dre album or something. And, like, you know, that song in particular was from, um, you know, a DPG album. So. Hmm. Um. No, no, that's a good question. I mean, they probably. I don't. See, I don't know, man. It, RZA could have had something to do with that as well, mm. because um, I meant to send you this, uh, send you this, but there's like this YouTube page, and this guy, he, it's, it's nothing, it's nothing but audio though. Um, he sits around and he does like twelve or five part stories of of different beefs throughout history of hip hop. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, man. I just found his thing. I like, I I don't know how legit he is. That that's why I haven't watched more of his stuff. I mean, well, I, I mean, I don't. I mean, I think he's probably just like just, just like us. Probably okay. just talks about hip hop. <laughs> but um, I, I listened to I think uh, I think it's five parts to the to to, to the Tang of Bad Boy Beef. And it's talking about uh, you know how it all started. You know with Method Man and Biggie and everything like that. And how RZA was reluctant to have anyone, especially Method Man, anybody. Oh my bad! I just dropped the mic. Oh, yeah, I dropped, I dropped my girl earlier. But, um, but, yeah, go ahead. Um, well, I mean, yeah, so he yeah, he was talking about that um, and how Rizzo was really reluctant to 
to have any of the clan members, especially uh, Method Man, do anything uh, with anybody outside of the clan. So, and you know, you never hear anything about Tupac and Wu Tang outside of um, outside of Master Killer and his first album when he sampled the interview when Tupac was talking about how much he loved Wu Tang. Well, Method Man, he was talking about how he and Biggie were cool, and like Biggie brought Method Man out on his first tour. And Method Man was like, he only had three songs at the time. <laughs> so, like, what he would do is he would do his songs, and then I guess he would do his verses from Wu Tang's songs, and he would bring other people out to do their songs or whatever. But he said he he and um, he and Biggie were real tight. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, he thing, was the, man. I mean, he was the only feature on um, Ready to Die. Yeah, I know. He keeps he always talks about that. I mean, it seems like now his legacy is built around one song and how close he was with Biggie. <laughs> I mean, Method. I mean, we think about it. Method Man's legacy is built around number one, M E T H O D Man. The hook from from Cream, the song with Biggie, um, a couple songs with Redman and How High, and that first Blackout album. The second Blackout, the second Blackout, uh, Blackout album was hard as shit to me though. At least you know from my recollection, it had some hard ass joints on it, especially the joint that had Pimp C on the hook. That shit was hard. Oh, you get I get torn up under city lights. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, that reminds me of the uh, master. Something about master killer. Um, I, I wanted to mention, but um, you, you uh, I remember when VH1 did like the top 100 MC rappers of all time or something like that. Oh, top 100 MC what? Uh, like I think it was MCs or rappers of all time. Yeah. And um. Method Man, I think he was like maybe in the middle somewhere or something like that. And, you know, they had various people talk talk about him. Um, I think it was Sway. And I don't know why I remember this so vividly, but he was talking about whatever song. I think maybe it was the Method Man remix. Um, he was talking about something that Method Man said like, to prove how lyricist he really is. And he said... um. Something, something, the lyrical smoke make me up, you know, and then, you know, like, come on, man, like, come on, who thinks about the standard for false? What's so profound about that? <laughs> I think at the time it was probably profound, because you got to remember, like, you know, when Rakim came out, that was like when fucking Einstein came up with the theory of relativity, you know? Oh yes, that's very. I mean, but you, you all, that's the thing about Rock. Rock came like Cool G. Rap. No one ever talks about this man. Anyway, do but only rappers do. Yeah, I mean, who was first, Cool G. Rap or Rock him? You know, I'm not entirely sure, but if I had to say, like off the top of my head, probably Cool G. Rap. Not, but I mean, but not by much though. I thought, yeah, I thought Rock Kim was first. Uh, Maybe it is G-Rap, but, like, because Rakim, I don't know, like, but it's just, like, you know, back in the day when you just had to hip the hoppity hippity 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 and, <laughs> <laughs> and 
if somebody just come like, oh, what do you say as the earth gets further and further away, you know, the earth gets small like a ball of clay, something, 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 and, you know, he's rapping like, 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 uh, John Coltrane will play the, um, saxophone or whatever, you know, that's just a life changer, like, like when you hear that, so, you know, um, I think that's when he did that cough. It was like, who was doing that type of thing back then? And it might seem so elementary now, but like, just imagine Coke LaRock just getting up there, the first MC ever in history. And like, how basic and elementary his shit must have been. But it must have been like amazing at the time. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a point. Um, but, I mean, I really just the man's personality. Because, I mean, honestly, if if Method Man wasn't at these Wu-Tang shows, because he, you know, because he, he kind of, you know, kind of, everything is kind of built around him. Anyway. And he's jumping around back and forth and whatnot. And then if it's not him, then it's RZA kind of, like, you know, kind of doing stuff. But RZA wasn't, like, this one thing that I was watching, RZA wasn't there. So Method Man was pretty much doing everything. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I mean, but you know, I will say I will say this about Method Man. Like out of all like the first round of solo um, Wu Tang albums, he had um, he 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 had the the um the illest intro though. I will say that the album comes comes on like really hard though. I don't even remember the intro. <laughs> Hold up, I gotta I gotta. I wonder if we're like. I wonder if we're like the only. The only like hip hop kids who, who are really against the Takao album because you're the only person I know that doesn't like it. Um, you know, outside of me, I think a lot of people don't like it. I think a lot of people are afraid to really vocalize it. But if you really ask people, they don't really like the album. But I mean, but then the thing is though, production wise, at least with some of them, RZA did. You know, he had like some inter- some interesting stuff going on. And some of those beats. Okay, yeah. Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the intro now. Like, I think... I think I need to do Mushrooms to really appreciate this album. Because, like... Some of this stuff... Like... It just sounds like you really on some drugs listening to this shit. Yeah, I mean, he listened to to, uh, to Sub Crazy. Yeah. And, um, and I think the final joke, Blue Raspberry. Oh, Bring the Pain. That was hard as shit, too. Well, you know, like, I, I was listening I was listen, listening to that yesterday. And it's a cool song, but he doesn't, I mean, you know, you know, they, you know niggas a decaf, I stick them for the cream. That was cool. But it was really just his presence. I mean, Bring the Pain to me is like, um, shit, what was that song? Hold on, hold on, hold on, I'm about to find a song real quick on my title app. <laughs> they need to be sponsoring this podcast because I am down with title. I'm throwing my diamond up right now. I'm actually not, but... Okay, so, Bring the Pain 
you can play back to back with Get At Me Dog from DMX. And Get At Me Dog is hard as shit, but it's not the most lyrical record you ever heard. You know? Like, hold up. What's that? Uh, speaking of intros, though, It's Dark and Hell is Hot had a crazy intro. Mm. I don't know if you remember that shit, but I vaguely remember that. Show you. I edit it. Cause I had to. <laughs> I'm gonna say city. Is you with me? Like, after Miss Prime. And the funny thing about this song is it had like a more up tempo Wu Tang feel. And he's not really being lyrical on it, but you can just feel what he's saying. Mm. And then Sheik of all people was on the hook. Like when you ever heard Sheik do a hook besides his own album? And money, like did he do money prospect? Uh, yeah, I think he did actually. Now, money Power respect is an interesting song, and I'm I know I'm going off on a tangent right now, but yo, Sheik really killed that. He might have even killed it more than big and people give you know flag to Sheik for not being you know like him being a weak link of the locks but nigga said like colossal size Picasso's like well I don't I, know well I can't say he killed it more than big cause big said one of the illest punchlines ever fuck the state Penn I get hit in Penn State or something like that Mm. But I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I I think a lot of rappers who are really deemed these lyricists are kind of over overrated. Oh man. I mean, a lot of them are. I mean, I think you know, Biggie overall is, is over is overrated to me. I mean, the man only had two albums, and now he's a piece one of the best rappers ever. He was only you never even got the got a chance to see him even grow to see what he was gonna do. You know, I used to think like that, but I don't anymore because, you know, when you take all that away, like, like just look at what he gave you, right? And even then, I used to be real critical of his catalog, but when you look at certain songs, like, look at Gimme the Loot, look at um, that song he did about the basketball player and everything. Like, his storytelling ability was crazy. Like, just a catalog of songs that he gave you for the short time he was here, you know, I would put him up there now. I mean, well, see, I, I don't know, man. Like, I wasn't, I'm not a fan of his albums. I mean, I can't really listen to a Biggie album all the way through. You can't listen to Ready to Die? No, I mean, no, I mean, I have issues with it. I mean, you see, like, all right, put it like this. 
So you talk about his storytelling ability. I think "Give Me the Loot" is probably one of his one of his better songs. But you know, I can go to Diamond D's album, and you know he has stories for days on that album, and some of the best beats ever. That's true. I mean, I think part of it. I think part of it is. Um, I don't know. Like Biggie just sounded. Like his flow was was something at, at the time that was completely different. Like when I listen to Diamond D, I hear Big L, and I just wonder like why is Big L not here and you still here? <laughs> not to be rude, you know. No offense, you know. I, I you know I, I, <laughs> I mess with Diamond D, but. Sometimes when I hear Diamond D, I hear that same type of flow that Big L probably would have done. Well, I mean, Diamond D came in about '92. Yeah. So, so I'm sure he, I'm sure he's the one that won't go. That's true. But um, like with Biggie, it's like I think part of it is the collectiveness of the um. Of the like, like, like of the whole thing, and you know, off air we're talking about church, right? Mm-hmm. And um, not to get too deep into the conversation that we were having earlier, but you know, when you build a church around something, it makes you feel good sometimes. So it's like we've built this church around Biggie songs to where old niggas like me, I'm 28 years old. Um, I'm an old nigga now. So when I go to a party and I hear a certain Biggie song and other people who are old like me, they hear that shit, you know, we kind of bond over it and we can be like, oh, yeah, 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 you know. So, mm-hmm. so, so I think that adds something to the, um, you know, to the music as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's the same way how... How people are, people are doing the same thing with Illmatic and and Nas period, but then you know I, I I think I'm starting to realize like how how uncomfortable it can make someone feel like looking looking at that Noisemakers interview with Nas and um <laughs> and Peter Rosenberg and you know what I mean like like the way he's talking like you know like as if Nas stopped making music. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's fucked up sometimes the way they do Nas, especially because, like, the reason why they say he's, I mean, the reason why I think people say Nas is the greatest is because of his whole catalog. Because even though you say, like, even though people will will say that those albums are whack or whatever, when you go through those albums, you can pick out just brilliant songs. Even if you say those albums are whack, which I think that Nas never had a whack album, but um, some people would argue that Nas has had a whack album. But even from those albums, you can pick out just these amazing gems of songs. And it's the same thing with like a Tupac, to where you know Tupac might might not have had the best albums, but when you pick out gems here and there, it's like damn, these songs are just crazy. You know? Mm, well, maybe not. Well, not with Tupac for me at least. But um, I mean, I, I see with Nas. I know what you're saying. 
But I don't know, man. Is is it really this hard to make a decent album you can listen to all the way through? It is a that is definitely an art to uh, do that. But um, let's take a break right here because I have to go to the bathroom. So I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'm going to call you back on Skype and we will continue this. Channel10podcast.com, log on, all of that, and I'm going to hit you in a little bit. All right. All right, peace. Um, Channel 10. <laughs> Listen, for you, the listeners of the Channel 10 podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I've been using it for a while. I personally recommend you check out Ta-Nehisi Coates' new book that everybody's rant, uh, ranting and raving about. Um, you can listen to it directly from him. He's reading the book. It's not too long. If you like podcasts, you'll probably love the book. And you can check it out by going to audibletrial.com slash channel 10 and signing up for your free trial today. With that, let's get back to the show. Peace. Um, Channel 10. <laughs> this call is now being recorded. We are back. Um, and here's a question that I wanted to ask you. Um, so you said, you said earlier about Biggie having two albums, right? Mm-hmm. And about him being, you know, put into the position that he's put into. So... I guess I would say, um, you know, two rappers who are often venerated, and one in particular who we both, you know, have a particular affinity for is Big L, and then another who, you know, um, is probably in my top five. I guess I, yeah, I'm putting my top five. I'm gonna say Big Pun. Um, Big Pun only had two albums, and Big L had two albums. So, how do you rank them next to a Biggie? Um, well, I would say, well, I would say personally, I like Big L better than Biggie, and Big Pun. I don't know why. I don't, for some reason, he's like he's someone I, I always tend to forget about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, he was. I mean, you know, he he could rap his ass off. You know, um, actually, I need to go back and listen to his albums. Uh, it's kind of sad because the only thing I, I can really, you know, outside of outside of the singles, is that damn um, that cover story that Double XL did about um, with Fat Joe about. The uh the makings of the final album and RZA saying that he needed his his money in a in a brown paper bag. That was actually from the first album, Capital Punishment. That was the and first album. Was, yep, yep, and that was a great story too. Cause um that first album, I mean that first album was crazy, and it was crazy because I was not expecting it to sound like that. Because I liked his single. I guess I was in middle school at the time, and I really liked the single. And I remember us being in Ocean City, and his single coming on, um, whatever the fuck was on the cable TV in the hotel at the time. And that's where I've seen this huge fat nigga riding some type of like motorcycle type thing. I was like, damn, like, but this shit is ill. <laughs> that um, 
you know, I don't want to be a player no more. But when I actually heard it, I was like, yo, this dude, like, like this is like an underground hip-hop album that went platinum. Because he's just straight, just spitting some lyrical miracle type stuff, you know. But it was dope. And it, he was able to make it fit into actual songs and have it sound good. And um, I think Big Pun, he um, I don't know, he just had an effect. Like he made you want to be Latino, at least for me. Like you know, we said you know Latin's Latin's going platinum. It was destined to come. Like I think he said that on the second album. But it's like damn, like you know. I'm feeling your whole movement right now over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, I wouldn't put, you know, Big L or, or Big Point in my top five and at this for the same reason. I mean, they died too soon, so I think certain people like that should be omitted from, from such talk because, you know, um, I'm trying to think of, of a rapper who had like one good album and then after that it's, it's pretty much just like that's it um, okay this is one this is one who I think they actually talked about on one Epstein or maybe it was Combat Jack somebody was talking about recently that I heard Most Death oh that's a that's a that's a that's an interesting one um hmm I mean I don't I don't really see Most Death being considered one of the greatest but he uh, did have that huh Most Death just off that first album, and then some feats like, like on a lyrical level, and on some of the songs that he did, I would say he's top five worthy. Well, see, that's the well, the I see. I think that's the thing, man. It's like we always keep, you know, because like an album is so great, then we just automatically push the artists up with the greats because of that one album. But that won't that doesn't explain you know all you know every, everything else you know that that comes with this artist. Maybe he just happened to have you know made a uh, someone you know happened to have made a good album, and then after that everything else is just nothing but shit. But I mean, like, even when you hear his whack shit, it's still dope in a way. Like, most have had black on bro. Uh, black on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. And are you with me? That's a classic album. I mean, uh, I, I would say Black Star before Black on Both Sides. Ah, that's a hard conversation. That's, I mean, that, that's very difficult. Um, because yeah, because the thing is, whenever I think of Most Dove, you know, the thing about him is that. I think of um I think of Umi says um the aesthetic and um and and uh and Black Star. I don't really think of Black on Both Sides the album. I mean, Black on Both Sides had New World Water, it had mathematics, it had Miss Fat Booty. <laughs> I mean, come on. It had Miss Fat Booty on it. Like, and this is the argument that I've had in my own mind of whether I like, um, of, 
like I guess it's three albums. Black on both sides, Reflection Eternal, the first one, or Black Star. Yeah. And Black Star has one of my favorite songs ever, which is Respiration. Um, Respiration. Because yeah, see, I mean the same thing with me. It was see Respiration, like when most deaf said, you know, the new moon rolls high in the crown of the metropolis, shining like who on top of this? And then in the hook, he said, um, blasting shots in the sky, uh, no, blasting holes in the night sky till the sun come up, like something like that. Like, it was just so poetic to where you even forget that calm and the most deaf on the song, you know? Yeah. Um, and also, I, I mean, um, probably my bad. And yeah, and and also I would argue that this is like the, the final glimpse of, of the original Carmen that we got to see for the most part, I would say, arguably. Um, did Black, that's right. Um, I'm trying to think when did, um, Water for Chocolate come out? Wasn't that like ninety nine, two thousand, or something like that? Because Black Star was ninety eight. Okay, so that I mean, I mean, it's around the same time. You know, he probably recorded a lot of joints at the same time. Like, I went back and listened to um, you know, you know, not too long ago, I went back and listened to um all of Common's albums up until point. Um, and you know, he got some some stuff like on all his albums. Um. None of his albums are really until he got with Kanye. Cause B, B, and um, and I'll find it forever. Those two albums, I remember putting them. They like like, like both of the albums fit on one CD, and I remember putting them on the CD and playing them, going up to Philly and coming back, and feeling fulfilled. No, well, um, well, I mean, well, that's very true. But what about like, I think that was a pre- a very full album. Yeah, I mean, now I think about it, Electric Circus could have been, it could have been like, I think, I think it was gone what you un- say. Oh. He could have gone under like an alter ego with that one. Like, okay, Be- I was, you know, thinking about it now, it kind of reminds me of what Kendrick did. Uh, kind of in a way, it's like Kendrick, I think the difference is that Kendrick, like, when you think of an artist, you think of a brand. So when you think of Common, you think of a brand of music that you're going to get. I think with Kendrick, you think of a certain type of brand. And even though his newest album was kind of out there. It was still extremely West Coast, and it was still socio-political, conscious, whatever you want to call it. So it can still be defined as like a Kendrick album. I don't think you can define Electric Circus as a common album. I think that, you know, now I'm thinking about it right now. I'm just thinking out loud. I think that he could have gone under an alter ego, and that album would have been like a huge hit. If it wasn't under the common name. Mm. 
Could have been called. Could have been called Electric Circus. Yeah, he could have called. Like he could have just made that the name of him for that album. Like you know, yeah, Electric she... Circus is like a group. Like a lot. Like like if he would have came out as an alt rocker and called himself Electric Circus and put the album out, it would have been huge. You know, look at his discography though. He's kind of been like he's he's kind of been like all over the place when it comes to various things. So his first three albums were, you know, street for lack of a better word term. Then he has one, two, three, four, yeah, like four or five albums that are conscious. And then he has Universal Mind Control. I guess it was just conscious, but it's really high techy. And then I guess it's like I never then, listened to that shit. I know, man. People, I know we keep talking about this. And <laughs> I didn't go back and listen to it. it was, I, did, I, did, I didn't like it. But And then, all right, 2011, The Dreamer slash The Believer. I, th- that I would say a, that's, a, that's a bit more street. I mean, that, al- that album was hard as shit, and nobody paid attention to it. But that album was, was crazy. I like I kept it in my rotation for a little bit, especially like certain songs. Like that album was really good and nobody cared. Yeah, well and nobody smiling. So although the beats were hard, but I think he had too many features on it. Yeah, I wasn't uh, uh excuse me. Um it's like one thirty five AM where I'm at, but um yeah, nobody's smiling. It wasn't. Um, it's funny because it had it had the promotion that I think that the dream of the believer should have gotten, but it wasn't as good. And both of those albums were produced by No ID exclusively, I believe. Hmm. But like, I don't know. Common is not my favorite. He's not in my list of uh, favorite rappers, I must say. It's like, he's one of them dudes who I always tried to like because he was supposed to be good. But I didn't really like him like that. But I like him on certain joints, and I appreciate him now, especially going back and listening now. I appreciate him a lot more. But, like... When you think about those raucous records type rappers, even though Common wasn't on raucous, but when you think about like those raucous records type dudes, you think about Most Def, Talib Kweli, Pharrell Munch, Black Thought, Common, I guess what Questlove would call the Soquarians or whatever. You know, Common kind of wasn't really there, but like. Most Def and Kwali and Feral Mars definitely had them joints. More so, I guess Most Def and Kwali, you know, as a solo artist and as a, and as a group. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, his first two albums, I, I most definitely don't mind listening to. I like the I'm listening to. I like the beats more than anything. I think. Tell me, can I borrow a dollar in Resurrection or Resurrection and one day it'll um all make sense. Uh, I think Resurrection, yeah, Resurrection and Can I Borrow a Dollar. Okay. You know what? 
I, like, I never really listened to um, Can I Borrow a Dollar like that. Like, like Can I Borrow a Dollar is like, to me, Mob Deep's first album, which I don't know the name of. Oh, Juvenile Hell. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you kind of don't really count that one. See, man, that's the thing, man. Like, Mob Deep, no one really talks about them being, you know, the, the, the greatest rappers of all time. Or having the greatest albums of all time. I mean, I think people would put the infamous up there. That's the thing. I don't know, man. I don't even. I don't even think about the infamous in that way. I'm thinking hell on earth type you know, stuff. Really, Mob Deep, Deep has three back-to-back albums that people could say, which is the infamous, hell on earth, and murder music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people like murder, murder music, and you know, the ingenious thing they did with that one twelve song, how grimy it was, but it was still. I guess, you know, I guess kind of along the lines of, of a Method Man type song. Yeah, I mean, yo, my girl loves, she she says that she loves Mob Deep. And I'm pretty sure she's only heard murder music. Oh, well. I mean, you know, and then even if you if you look back at um Blood Money. Or, um, my, my bad, Infamy. I think she's only heard Infamy. And maybe a couple other joints here and there. Okay, yeah, because the 112 joint is what Infamy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, like, even like, that, that commercial stuff, you know, I, I was never really at I wasn't exactly mad at the, um, at the, at the, at the Little John joint that they had on, um, on America's Nightmare. That shit was hard. I mean, yo, yo, America's Nightmare was hard. I think everybody said it was hard, but it just I mean, didn't sound like that. They got bad reviews. They got bad reviews, though. I mean, you know, based yeah, on I, music... Yeah, I remember the blogs saying it was hard. But see, I don't like I, like I, I always only had like my like my select few like my I select few songs that I listen to. But usually, I mean, I still kind of skip through the, the little John joint because I don't feel like hearing that. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, like the thing is that album has that album has Mob Deep classics on it. It has number one the single you would uh you know get it twisted or whatever. And then it has Win or Lose, which is a classic record. Yeah, man, you, you would think you think they they would um they don't perform anything. Except for God, did they perform yeah, you know, well we yeah, we are mob deep connoisseurs when it comes to their <laughs> to their performances. Yeah. Um did they perform Got It Twisted? I don't think they did. I don't think they performed anything off of that um And you remember your brother, he was real on that joint with Jadakiss. Uh, uh Shorty, Shorty Wild running down. Yeah. Oh, Jadakiss yeah, is running? Was he on that? Hold on, let me... I don't, I don't remember. Look at it. Um, let me see. Right God damn, yo, that win and lose was such a dope record. Um, okay, Shorty Watt, Alvarez Part 2 featuring JD Kiss. I don't that's the one, right? Nah, that's number 10. Yeah, that was like a rather long, it's like 17 tracks, isn't it? Um, I remember there was some bonus tracks, but 
Oh, wait, oh, wait, because I don't think I even had the bonus tracks. <laughs> oh, matter of fact, according to Wikipedia, there's no... Okay, so according to Wikipedia, there's no bonus tracks. Um, You know what's crazy? Okay, that's what happened. I had some bootleg shit of songs that didn't make the album. And a lot of them songs were hard as shit, too. I can't even front. But, um, yeah, yeah, your brother, he really liked Shorty Wop. And he really liked one of ours, part two, that had Jada Kiss on it. Okay. And I think Kanye West produced the joint, We Up. Because it sounded, it, yeah, matter of fact, I remember that because it sounded exactly like, like, not exactly like, but he used a lot of the same sounds that he used in other songs that he made around the same time, like, he made a joint for Bump J. I don't know if you remember, uh, if I remember Bump J, um, Bumpy Johnson, but he, um, yeah, Kanye did a joint for him and used the same sounds that he used in uh, the Mob Deep joint, and he used the same sounds in a game record uh, that might have had some other features on it that might have not been on the game album, but it was for some type of commercial. Mm. For Nike, if I'm thinking correctly, you remember that song? Um, uh, I called it in my head. Yeah. Oh, uh, which game album? It wasn't on the game album, but I remember Kanye did it, and Game was on it, and it had that same sample, like it had that same sound from the Mob Deep joint and they had the same sound from this Bump J record that Kanye produced. Hmm. And uh you remember Bump J? I vaguely he's a singer, isn't he? Nah, nah, he's a super gangster rapper from Chicago who's like locked up for mad long. <laughs> as most <Whoa>. as, <laughs> as most rappers from Chicago are. Yeah. He's locked up or dead. Damn, I had no idea that murder, murder music went double platinum. Well, based on Wikipedia, murder music went double platinum. Yo, murder music was huge. You, you know, you know. actually, out of the whole discography, murder music is something that I really haven't gone back to like that. You know what? I had to go back to it myself because I remember certain songs for certain reasons. And... Their biggest hit was from that album, Quiet Storm. Well, what's some of these biggest hit? Like, but that's the, it's hard to say with them though. Though that's the main thing about them. Yeah, because they have they they have Quiet Storm, and they have um, Shook Ones, and they have Burn, and they have the Drink One Twelve, and and Getaway, and they have Getaway. And as you can see, I mean, it seems like Getaway is like one of their stables. They like, they, like they, they have to play it. I don't think that's what. I mean, I think you always go based off the girls. I know my girl loved that album that Getaway was on, but I'm pretty sure she loves the Drink 112. And if it wasn't 1:45 a.m. right now, I'd call her on this call right now so that she could explain her love for Mob Deep. But maybe we can get her on here. I've been saying this for fucking weeks and months. But we got to get her on here to talk about it. Because 
she has her own mob deep stories and stuff like that. So, um, mm. we got to get her on here. But, you know, driving illegally through Baltimore, because most people in Baltimore don't have a driver's license. But she has one now, so we all good and legal and all that. Courts of government, but, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, and uh, it's mine with Nas. It's mine. It's my. Huh? What was that one? Um, uh, murder music. Okay, yeah. Mm, this is interesting. In a uh, USA. All right then. Dude, one of the hardest songs I ever heard in my life was on murder music. Um, let me go back to the Wikipedia page. Hold on, Mob Deep, murder music. Okay. I had this song to take for the longest time um, on Street Hip Hop. You know, I used to, um, you know, get the tapes. Uh, what was the song? Adrenaline, you know, Adrenaline is hard as shit. Illustrious. It doesn't say, like, I one Illustrious had Cormega on it. Um, okay, now number four, Spread Love. Like, when you really peep that song, this nigga said... You need to spread love because, damn, I don't remember what he said, but basically, you need to spread love because if you don't, I'm going to shoot you. That's basically what the song is. <laughs> Let me see if it's song Rap Genius, because, like, the lyrics are so crazy. And, like, I remember hearing it before, and I was like, yo, this shit is so brilliant. And you can't tell, like... Like, 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 you can't really tell if it's supposed to be trying to be positive or if it's trying to be like righteous or both at the same time. Yeah. Let me uh, see if it's on genius. All right, Mom. Which one is on genius? Yeah. All right, so Mom Deeps. Okay, so you should spread love, not war. Spread love, not war. Cause you won't feel safe coming out your crib knowing that we got beef. You should spread love, not war. Just think about your kids, how they need you alive for their guidance. You need to spread love, not war, because death hurts whole families. Imagine it's your moms that grieves. Now, is that a positive song? Is that a... Is that a... Is that Like... Uh, you know, I, I don't know, man, like, <laughs> when, because whenever you, uh, I, um, I don't know if I told you this, but they, they have, they have a Red Bull Music Academy lecture they did, mm-hmm. um, and I was listening to it, and certain things they were saying about, you know, how they grew up and how they were, like, around the time of the infamous, it just really seems like they were just, they were just kind of evil, <laughs> for no reason. So maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I got a um. I don't know why I don't listen to murder music, but yeah, I need to. I need to give that another whirl. Although I mean, the really the only thing I really go back to when I'm um, in that mob deep in that discography, like I tried juvenile hell, I can't get through it. It's terrible. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, I go to the infamous for certain songs. Really, only two: the one with Nas and Raekwon, for the most part. Hell on Earth, pretty much all the way through. Um, Prodigy's first album, if you want to include that. 
and uh, and Infamy. Well, some songs in Infamy, then America's Most Wanted, and then on Blood Money, I really America's only go. America's Nightmare, you mean? Yeah, yeah, America's Nightmare. Yeah, I was I was looking at uh, at the Spice. You know, Spice One has a nightmare. America's, oh, yeah. yeah, whatever. Um, I've never listened to Spike One. I've been meaning to for a long time. He's been locked up with some crazy shit now. Man, what rapper isn't dead? What rapper isn't dead or locked up? Right. Um, and then with Blood Money, uh, oh, is the Heavens was here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can only it's called Pearly Gates. But I think the edited version might be on the album. So you gotta like look for the. Like original unedited version. Okay. Oh, he, oh, guess who produced that record? Who? Exile. Oh, really? Yeah. See, how, how how do these producers be getting? How do they get these credits, man? Like, I guess they just had to be at the right place at the right time. Well, you know, just being in Genius' office and stuff, I know how they work. And you just give them a beat CD, and somebody listens to this shit and just gives it to who they think might like it. So you could end up with some shit from some guy who never, who nobody knows, like, and then who is from, like, or it could be somebody who's somebody. Hmm. Well, I guess that's fair. But like that click click joint with but, um, yeah yo like I'm like I'm just looking through the track list. Put him in that place that was a hard ass single. Stole something Lloyd Banks that was hard. Yeah, that, that beat is crazy. Yeah, uh, creep. I like that. Speaking so freely. I mean, I really like most of these songs on here. I don't know why people are so upset. Well, people were upset though. Yeah. I mean, well, I think one of the reasons why was because it had too many features on it. I mean, you know, if you get if you get a mob album, it's really introspective and it's really just based on their world as a duo for the most part. I mean, so you look at it, you got Lloyd Banks. He fits perfectly on Mob Deep record. So he's, and when you listen to Lloyd Banks mixtapes, how many Mob Deep songs he done rapped over. Like you can tell, like he's basically part of Mob Deep. He's a lot. He's a mob deep stand who they got on the record. So, and you got Creep with 50 Cent. That fits. I mean, then you got Give It To Me with Young Buck. Click, click with Tony Ayo. Got another song with 50 Cent. And you got Pearly. Uh, uh, oh, then you got Capital P, Capital H with Nice. Who's always on with some mob deep shit. Usually on the mixtapes. And you got like some bonus tracks with Fix. I don't know, like it really that many features. I mean, it's basically like having Big Noid on there. Hmm. I mean, but that's a Big Noid never like a mainstay on all of their albums. Have you um speaking of him? Have you ever listened to his first album? Um, no, I have. Hold on, hold on. His first album that didn't have. Ba- Are you talking about the one with Bang Bang on it, or the one that didn't have Bang Bang on it? I don't know. Oh no no no! I haven't listened to that. No. Yeah, like it's it's pretty much the it's pretty much the infamous, but with big but 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 with him rapping on it. Oh. Like that. Yeah, like that. I mean, it sounds like some of these beats sound like throwaway infamous tracks, but then sometimes it's hard for me to imagine uh, anything that was made for the infamous being considered a throwaway, because you know if you look at um their their last 
last album and none of these stuff that they that they put on it. That stuff was like really good. Yeah. But you can only fit so much. But um I'm looking at Big Noy right now. Yo, that fucking Only the Strong album that was my shit when it came out. Like with that shoot 'em up, bang, bang. Like I love that album so much. Like It was wasn't that mainstay on Rap Attack or Strictly Hip Hop or something? I think it was, yeah. I just love that shit. And then, you know, I'm a huge Master Ace fan. So then when Master Ace's um second album from his resurgence or whatever, uh um a long hot summer came out, he had a record with Big Noid on there. I still haven't listened to that album, but I listened to that song with Big Noid, you know, a lot. Where he was like, um, what do he say? When I go to the ATM, something, something, something about white people. I don't look for white people when black. Something about white people when back of me, but that nigga with the nine skin as black as me or something like that. Mm. I was like, damn, like, can't argue with you there. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you, you know, uh, Tony Yayo's first album wasn't the worst thing in the world. I don't know why people hated on it so much. Man, I was one of the people that hated on it so much, and I don't know why I hated on it so much. I think because I was on my um my most deaf Talib Kweli type of thing when that came out. So but when you listen to it, like it's good for what it's for. And even though I didn't you know, even though I didn't like the album at the time, that song I know you don't love me, I know you don't love me, like that song is should be a classic. And then um, it's funny because I was just reading some article about a uh, gene performance out in some country, and they said that song "So Seductive" came on. That's one of Gene's biggest hits. Like, oh nigga, do you know what this is? It's Tony A. Joe up in this bitch. Like, that mm. song is crazy. Well, I don't know. Tony A. is weird, man. I was looking at his uh, disc- discography. And I didn't know that he was on. I didn't know he he even came out with a gunpowder guru four. Oh, I didn't know that either. Apparently, I mean, he's been coming out with mixtapes pretty much every year. Hmm. I had no idea though. I just remember, you know, Lloyd Banks doing doing that for the most part. Now here's the thing, um, and I guess this can kind of go into what we were talking about earlier with Future off air. Like, when these people release these mixtapes, sometimes I'm like, yo, who is listening to them? But somehow they create a cult following to where this artist can do anything and people will mess with it. And, you know, Tony A was one. Lloyd Banks definitely has his own solid fan base of people. Like, I know someone who thinks that Lloyd Banks is the greatest rapper ever. Hmm. Like, there's a, and then you had Feature, he created, you know, like how they had the Bayhive on Twitter, hashtag Bayhive. Like, now they got Yeah, the, I'm, I'm, just getting, I'm just getting acquainted with all this. <laughs> yeah, so now they had the Feature Hive. 
and it's you know after his last album kind of flopped and it wasn't that good according to a lot of people i like i didn't listen to it but the songs i heard from it, i did like but hey excuse me um he started putting out mixtapes that were more in tune to his original style that people liked and then apparently this album was more in tune to his original style that people liked and people just started gravitating towards it. So, like, I feel like certain people, like, if anybody can just put out a mixtape and just do their thing, I should be able to do that shit, right? Well, I mean, maybe, you know, but there are always, um, you know, politics involved when it comes to these types of things. Yeah. And... You know, when I went to a show here and I was talking with with a uh, a singer who was in this world and, you know, he didn't get um, a good rating um, on his on his latest album from Pitchfork. Mm. And I didn't understand why. And so, um, you know, pretty much he told me, he said, fuck Pitchfork because uh, it's, it's nothing but a scam. And, you know, people pay to get their ratings high and they suspect that they do that, that Kanye probably pays um to to get really high ratings if not perfect ratings. You know what's crazy? I saw something on the internet about that recently. And it'd be funny if it was, you know, originating from the same person you're talking about. But mm-hmm. I don't know. You can't trust any of these publications because they make their money off of advertising dollars and then it's the labels that that buy advertising in the magazines so it's like to keep those advertising dollars coming in, you got to give favorable reviews to whatever label is paying the money and maybe less favorable reviews to whoever isn't. And then if you're a writer who's not really about that shit, no matter what you write, if you write something that isn't to that standard, it's not going to get put out. And then... You, you're stuck just in a miserable job where you just got to go do what you got to do and hope you just having to make it. Yeah, because, yeah, I don't know what to say about all that Kanye stuff, but, you know, every time he comes over the damn album, it's always a, either a perfect rating or a near-perfect rating. Mm. Um, and so that kind of always, it always annoyed me um, in, one, in one way or another. But um, yeah, I, I I didn't I really didn't see this resurgence of future um coming. But I mean, I feel like he never really left because he he developed a a pretty big buzz off of Pluto, and you know I was I was pretty I was pretty intrigued to listen to um his follow up album, but it was a piece of shit. Uh, That's people say. I mean, it was a bad album. It just was. I mean, it was it was all over the place. The thing with Andre Three Thought, the song, I mean, all the songs, they were like, all the songs were different. None of them fit together. It was just, it was weird. Mm. And it, it seemed really unfocused. Like, it seemed like he went out and got big features just because he knew that he could do it. And he knew that, and it seemed as if he felt as though that, that that's, that's what he was supposed to do at, the, at that time since he had that buzz. Mm. But it's weird, though, because if you think about it, you know, a lot of the songs that he's known for, he pretty much did them by himself. And, you know, they they, 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 they garnered a the buzz and then eventually 
Basically, he got you know Drake to hop up. Drake was on what the Tony Montana remix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. But then, like, you look at turn turn on the, turn on the lights. That's probably one of his biggest songs, and then that was all by himself. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think about whether any songwriters involved, but yeah, that that was a huge song. Turn out the lights. I'm looking for you. I just know that, like, sometimes when you be in certain places and like. You leave certain shit around, and you fool with people, so you don't have any type of contractual type of shit with them. You know the shit can change any moment. And you just gotta be ready for that. Like you gotta be ready to be homeless because you don't know what the fuck is gonna happen with these people. You don't know. You know you can study the law all you want, but. There's something that's not updated. There's something that's missing. And good luck to the black man and the planet Earth. Because this shit is about to be crazy. <laughs> Alright. You got Jade Helm 15 going on right now. Weather manipulation. GMOs, you got Bill Nye, the science guy, messing with GMOs and making people go back and do more research on things. And, Does he have a podcast? Who, uh, Bill Nye? Yeah. They actually asked him that on um, Star Talk, which is Neil deGrasse Tyson's um, uh, podcast. And Bill Nye pretty much has been hosting recently because I guess Neil deGrasse Tyson is too busy. And um, they asked him, you know, do you plan on doing something else? And he was like, you know, I'm kind of thinking about it. But for right now, I'm going to start talk. So you got to listen to start talk. Okay, Yano, maybe I can get into into star talk. Uh, no, I've, I've tried to, but, you know, we've had this talk and we've had this talk before. And I'm not I'm not a really sciencey person. Um, oh, yeah, I am. Yeah, see, yeah, you are. And, you know, I guess me... With my historical background, and that's maybe that's why I like Joe Rogan's podcast because Joe Rogan he tries to um, relate everything that a lot of these like neuroscientists or whoever he has on what they talk about to people. Mm. But um, there's also this other one. Um, did you ever listen to the Joe Rogan podcast with Kara Santa Kara Santa Maria? Uh, what was she talking about? Uh, you know, actually. Well, she, you know, she, she is like a, she has like a master's in like biology, I think, or something like that, but, um, they talked about science and sex a lot, pretty much. No, that's not that one. I was thinking you were talking about the one who, um, like, on some kinesthetic type of thing of movement, but no, I haven't listened to that one. How long ago was that? What episode was that? Do you remember? Well, I don't remember, but it was, it was quite a while ago, though. I know I had to... I had to, um, you know, do like like the really big swipe with my thumb, maybe th- good three or four times down to, mm-hmm. to get to it on um, on podcast addict. But um, she has a uh, an, a podcast called uh, Talk Nerdy. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is another thing I'm getting kind of annoyed of. Everyone is everyone is nerdy now. Yeah, like trying <laughs> to be gangster again. Yeah, man, I can't wait for those days to come back. But um, so I, I 
listened to to one. Of, I listened to one of them. It was talking about uh, damn, what was it talking about? Like black holes or something like that. Like they they're, they tend to be like these like forty five minutes to like an hour. She has different professors on and different scientists of people doing different things. Mm. Pretty much like every podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's a cool one though? I see that. What? What's the name again? Uh, Talk Nerdy. Talk Nerdy. And she's like, you know, she. I know she does like stuff. I know she did. I don't know if she still does. She does like stuff for the Huffington Post for their weird channel, internet channel thing they have, or whatever. Huffington Post Live, whatever. Yeah, that shit is. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that a black man runs. Oh, a black man runs it. I believe so. Because he's on it all the time, and I remember him saying something about starting it. Okay. Actually, only, the only thing I've heard in the post live I think I really looked at was when Mob Deep was on it. <laughs> it was very random. Let me ask you a random question. Um, I don't know if I asked you this before. Mob Deep or Ghost and Ray? Uh, Mob Deep. Mm. Why is that? Uh, I t- I tend to like Ghost and Ray when they're about when they're when they're themselves. Okay. Especially Ghostface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Ghostface gives you life lessons. Like, you can make a church off of Ghostface, and you'd be good. Yes, that's uh, yeah. You know, I can uh, <laughs> I I can see that. I mean, I mean, he wrote a book of philosophy. Like, come on. He did. Yeah, yeah. That um, you remember that um, that shit on MTV? What was it called? I mean, yeah, but but it came out a book though. I think it did come out as a book. Let me see. I'm interested now. Because man, I, I've been saying to myself that I, I need to get back on my. Oh my, oh my, my man, like, alright, I had Busy Bones autobiography, technically I had the Wu-Tang Manual, I mean, you were with me when I bought it a thousand years ago, but mm-hmm. I guess now my brother has it, so I guess it's not mine anymore. Yeah. I don't, I, and I'm thinking about the Dao of Wu, but I don't feel like hearing that shit, so I mean. I, you know, I, you know, I've read a lot of the Dao of Wu when I bought it. Yeah. Before, but. You know, it was really good. It was so good that I, I just gave it away to somebody, and they really enjoyed it. Oh, so you bought the actual book? Yeah, I bought it from uh, Barnes and Noble actually. Huh. And like, I have the ebook, but I'm probably gonna I, like. I'm thinking about buying another one. Like, I don't know. I just want to build a library. Like we talk about, like a study in your house and everything. Like I'm about to have like a library of books. Because when the EMP hits and it's just darkness, all I'm going to have is my books. And, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, though. Yeah, the world. I, did, I had no idea about the book, the world, Accor- the world According to Pretty Tony. Yeah, yep, yep, that's what it is, yep. Yep. For one cent, you can get a hardcover. How much is it? One cent. Where? On Amazon. Oh, man, I'm about to get this right now. Or you can do one with your. Uh, with your Black Civilization book for five dollars and ten cents. Oh man! <laughs> you, can't, um, you can't get enough Black Civilization. 
Yeah, and um, uh, another book that I, I'm more than possibly looking at is Trey's book. They know what I'm talking about. Hello. Yeah, I see the Hood Health Handbook, A Practical Guide to Health and Wellness in the Urban Community by Supreme Understanding and CBS A Life A Lie. Twitter is Black Consciousness Twitter. It's Black Male Consciousness Twitter that robs the Black woman of her freedom. So basically, you see the Nicki Minaj Anaconda video, and then you post up a tweet of an Egyptian queen and be like, "Why can't you respect yourself?" Oh Lord. And so that's what the black feminist Twitter is going off about. And there's some, you know what, because, you know, when I'm at work, I take notes about certain things that I see when I'm supposed to be working, but I'm on the internet. But um, there's some black feminist uh, website that went off, and then it actually didn't end up being a trending topic nationwide, but, I, like, I kept seeing it popping up, I guess because I follow too many black niggas and, um... I don't mean to say black niggas, but you know niggas who be on that black shit. If you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, niggas like me, because I be on that black shit. So. Um, speaking of that, I have been meaning to send you, and I'm going to send you this book. Um, the new Byron Crawford book. Myron Crawford book. Oh, yeah. So, you can check that out. And, oh, excuse me, we can probably do a book review on the podcast. Cool. No Country for Black Men. And I didn't even know he had a book um, before this, in 2014, towards the end of the year. He had a book called Beatings by Dr. Dre. Yeah, I saw that on his website. Yeah, I bought that too. I'll send that to you. Alright. That's yeah, a great journey from desperate ghetto youth to billionaire Apple exec. And the girls he beat up along the way. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's really blackballed from the industry. I mean, the funny thing about Byron Crawford is, like, even on his website, you don't know what to take seriously and what not. Like, when he posts all this conspiracy theory stuff, I don't know whether to take it as sarcastic or he's really with it. Or a mix between the two. So we really got to get him on here. Yeah, we hey, we got to work on getting some, some guests. 
Yeah, I think maybe now that we're dealing with Skype, maybe that Australian chick might be good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would I think that would be a good one in a very uh, one from left field. Yeah. And maybe your brother. Yeah, I mean yeah, he yeah, he, he wants to come on. Yeah. Uh I don't know where that would go though, that's the thing. I mean shit go to the moon. I mean, I guess we'll, I don't know, I guess we'll, we'll see, but then see, he has a really bad reception, though. Well, the thing is, I'll probably bring my stuff over his crib, and then we just do it like this. Like, That's right, yeah, I keep, I keep getting you in the same vicinity. Yeah, he lives, uh, 10 minutes away. Yeah, he has been, you know, saying you need to come over. I mean, to hit him, man, but family life is crazy. Well, I understand, besides when you hit him, his, his, uh, I don't know, something going on with his phone, you, you can't really get to him more like that the way you want to, so. Yeah, and then he doesn't really email you back when you email him. <laughs> well, he, to he told me the other day, he was trying to send you a song he did, and he had like five, <laughs> he had like five different emails of yours, and so he did any, any, mini money more. Oh, well, I guess he got the wrong one, because I didn't get it. I mean, well, yeah, but I, I, I told him, you know, uh, about the name change and everything like that. And I mean, he can just respond to the last email that I sent him. Did, did you did you send it to, to Bag Life? No, but he emailed me back from the other one. Well, well, remember, the emails are coming through Bag Life these days, so he doesn't even check Killer Fifth like that. But he emailed me back from Killer Fifth. That was probably because I told him that you emailed him to kill it. You, you emailed to kill it fifth. All right. So I'm <laughs> so I'm gonna email him when I, when I when I feel like I have enough time and work isn't stressing me out as as much. Oh my goodness, man. What? Your brother, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Because he mean, told me he, he told me that he was using two beats. And I'm curious to see what he did to him. I don't mean, uh, for all I know, maybe he hasn't even repped over him. He's, you know, he's been on his his Wu Tang thing. Yeah. As of late, but um, and then that, that the, the Cosby thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Matter of fact, we gotta get his. I guess you know we gotta get his recording situation up to date, like. When you were talking about the Google Chromebook, how your computer was messing up, I just looked. I just saw one on Amazon um, through Lifehacker. Um, I saw one. It's one for like a hundred and nine dollars. And like, I'm sure there's a way to record on there that's better quality than what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> I mean, I think I don't know. I mean, right now, if you plug these mics into a Chromebook. And then do some type of um, like like there's online DAWs right now. Like I don't know. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I try to put him on with Reaper, but he only wants to deal with 1.0. And yeah, I've been I mean to mess with Reaper, but um. I don't know, man. I'll, 
I'll holler at him and see what's going on and see if we can get stuff. Uh, did his single come out? If so, we need to plug it. Oh, yeah. His, <laughs> his single did come out. Um, I'm assuming has to go to, to uh, his WordPress or whatever. Yeah, because um, we can, you know, check out. Is he Born King or, or Killer Fish? On the single? Yeah. I have no idea. Oh, man. <laughs> Let's oh. see. Okay, yeah, 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 he, he is Killer Fifth. All right, so everybody go check out Killer Fifth on, let me make sure he's on Spotify right now to make sure you can go listen to it so you can get some bread. Um, <laughs> killer, all right, so Killer Priest. Killer Sin. Oh, snap. Killer Fifth. Dope Boy. It's on here. So, yeah, definitely check out Dope Boy by Killer Fifth. That's K I L L A F I F T H. It's all one word. On whatever digital distribution you got, however you get your music, listen to it. Check it out. Yes, uh, available on SoundCloud, Xbox Music, iTunes, Spotify, Google Music, YouTube Music Key. I don't know what that is, but whatever. You reading from an email right now? Uh, no, I'm, I'm reading from some type of Instagram flyer or something like that. All right, let's see if it's on a title, because you get more money off a of title. So anybody who's using title, let's see. I should tell people to go check out my album from high school on title. Yep, it's on title. So yeah, go listen to uh, Killer Fifth on title. And of course, you can support us by going to audible.com slash channel 10 and getting your free audio book. I just recently listened to Ta-Nehisi Coates' new book, and I suggest that everybody does. And it's very prominent. And matter of fact, I want to talk about this book. I'm going to send it to you because we need to talk about this probably in the next couple episodes or whatever. I want to get your opinions on it. It's very controversial. Uh, Cornell West and his old um, scraggly, raggly genius self uh, came out against him in a way. Um, but yeah, we got to talk about that. But I listened to it on Audible and it changed my life. So you need to um, go to audibletrial.com slash channel 10. Get your free 30-day trial, your free audiobook credit, and your 30% off of any audiobook purchases after your audiobook credit. And go check out that Tiny Easy Codes book and let us know what you think. And also go to channel10podcast.com and click on the Amazon links. Anytime you want to order a physical book, such as The Destruction of the Black Civilization, which I recommend by Chancellor Williams, which I just bought, and get your knowledge and understanding knowledge of wisdom and understanding on one, two, three in the supreme mathematics. And um what else can I do to uh, support us? Um you can uh follow us on SoundCloud, 
Yeah. Um, subscribe to us and all that. Yeah. Yep, um, yep. Oh yeah, hit, hit us up at uh, channel channel ten podcast at gmail for comments. If you if you hate what we're doing, if you think we suck, we should stop doing it. If you like it, you know some encouraging words would be nice. Yeah. Um, the quality. I know some of you, some of y'all, y'all probably, <laughs> you guys are probably much more happier that we have better quality. Better right quality. Now. It's only gonna get better from here. But right now we just in the basement, listening to Mob Deep with Dirty Thames from the nineties on right now. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I do have some Thames from the uh, early two thousands though that still fit. But yeah. Hey man, I, I'm still wearing the same Thames from high school. Hey. That's how we do out here, man. We straight gutter grimy with it. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for listening. We got a lot of good things coming through. And the main thing is staying consistent. So whether seven people listen to 700, we still in the building. It's your man, the almighty AR. Our tick in the building alongside your man. Sin God Superior. Right, right. And um, with that, we are signing off. All right. Peace. Peace out. Peace to the Middle East. Peace to Africa. Word is born. God, <laughs> stay up. Feeling this here. Yeah, son, you can feel it, man. Roll up, son. You got to just do it, yo. Yo, roll up, man. It's a different channel, son. Roll up. On, man. Roll up. Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. So good. Well, what up? All good, baby, in every hood, son. Well, what up? Yep. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef.